Gee, Steve, what are we going to do tonight? Same thing we do every podcast. Tell them how we season. Okay, here we go. It's how we seize it. Episode 35. Uh, we're going to take on uh, Ghostbusters, uh, the original Ghostbusters from uh, 1986, I believe. Did I get that one right? 84. I, I undershot it a little. It's uh, uh, 84. So, yeah, the original one, the one that started it all off and gave us uh, Ghostbusters 2, a pretty crappy remake, and uh, <laughs> upcoming. Uh, uh, I guess it's not really Ghostbusters three, but it's it's a uh, it's kind of like a afterlife. I think is what it's called, Ghostbusters yeah. Afterlife. And yeah, don't so. forget, it also gave us the real Ghostbusters cartoon series. Oh yeah, so totally. That's that's right out of my childhood. I remember that. Matter of fact, that plays into one of my drink selections tonight. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Well, yeah. I got a bit of trivia about the real Ghostbusters too. So. Nice. They also did about? a uh, uh, Ghostbusters did a crossover in the comic books with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. It was weird. It was just one of those things that came up out of the blue. I was I was buying comics again, just the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics. There's, um, and I came across this one, and it's it's Ghostbusters and and Ninja Turtles, and I'm like, really? I'm like, that seems odd. Like I, I that's something I did I wouldn't normally put together, but. They did it, and, and and people liked it. So you know, crossovers that really brings back some nostalgic memories. I remember Scooby Doo. Didn't they do a bunch of weird crossovers where like Scooby Doo <laughs> yeah. met met up yeah. with uh, some other? I don't know what what, what, yeah. what sort of stuff did, did Scooby Doo uh, meet up meet up with? But but it, what a strange thing that they would just it's it's kind of like like a, like pairing one thing I, from one universe I, with another universe. It's like right. I think a lot Batman of it has to do with meeting Snow White. <laughs> right. Funny thing is, is they have a Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic you know, and movie. Also, I have not watched the movie yet, but I've been wanting to. Um, I do. I own the first set of the comics. There was a six six run uh, miniseries that was. They actually did really good. I think the whole point of the crossovers essentially is to to get new eyes on your product. Like if you really like the Ninja Turtles, right? And they do a crossover with Batman, which I mean, if you like Ninja Turtles, you probably like Batman anyways, but it's kind of maybe the other way around. You, you never heard of Turtles, but you're a big Batman fan. And all of a sudden you read this, and you're like, oh, those guys aren't so bad. Let me let me check that out. So, Or it could have been back in the 60s when they were doing animating some of these things and they were smoking some weed and saying, oh, what if we take this and cross it with this? That, 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 that Maybe that was Scooby Doo, but I think that was more in the '80s too. Uh, not to say that they weren't smoking the weed in the '80s, but um, I don't. I don't think there's too many Scooby Doo crossovers in the '60s. Maybe with some other Hanna Barbera characters. Maybe right. maybe uh, has a run in with Yogi or something. Right there, you, know, you go. To, there you go. They have to solve who who steals the picnic, the picnic basket. basket. Exactly. Right. It's that pesky human or uh, the the pesky kids. <laughs> cool. All right, so. Um, Let's start off with Steve. Oh wait, we never introduced who's 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 on this episode, right? Right, <laughs> which well, is you and me. Which is just you and me. Yeah. <laughs> Your co-host Steve with my main man Noah. Say hi, Noah. Hi, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there we go. We're, we're professional uh, sometimes. Um, so Steve, tell them where they can find us, though. 
Oh, they can find us at hwsi.podbean.com and they can email us at the.hwsi.podcast at gmail.com. Right. And if, and if you're looking off, uh, looking up the different uh, platforms for, for streaming our podcast, you can find us on Podbean, obviously, but also Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Mm, more, a couple other, more, yeah, yeah, there's a handful others that I found. You could also uh, stream us live from um, the Podbean um, site that uh, you can actually just go into that and, and directly from the webpage. Yep. Um, there's also, we also have our uh, Facebook group where, uh, you know, I'll post some things. Usually I post uh, when new episodes are out, um, try and do some uh, different things like surveys and stuff like that. I have been kind of slack on it lately, but I'll get back to it. Um, try and get some more stuff going on that. Uh, it's funny you talked about our email address, right? Last time I threw it out, uh, trying to get our first email, which we, we did. We got we got one right away, but we also got another one um, from my buddy Bo. He he actually got the first official email, but he didn't want the he didn't want the prize, so it's still out there. If people want to <laughs> send in an email, just saying hi, I want a beer or something, you know. <laughs> so wait, so we've that. we've had two people that have basically decided not to take the prize. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, we've gotten we've gotten three emails. One They're not the interested same... in drinking our beer. Is that what it is? <laughs> um, I think Bo would drink our beer. I don't think he, he. I don't think he has a problem with that. I just don't think he was. He he didn't need the prize. He, you know, he he he's been talking to us about doing doing some episodes with us um, as a as a guest host, and so he wanted to write in and and get that role in. So uh, which is coming up, right? We we talked about it. I think in our food podcast, our last uh, pairing podcast. Right, we're gonna hit that MCU. So, which uh, have it's you, a little have you daunting to... when you sent out <laughs> sent out the, the thirteen hours of or thirteen days, sorry, of uh, of programming that uh, that it is. It is. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I've seen all of it. I, I literally have watched every episode that we're gonna cover. Um, I'm gonna try and watch a lot of it again. But I'm going to definitely watch all the movies again. I am going to spot watch most of the series. Um, so uh, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to be catching back up. Matter of fact, I started up again um, with uh, Agent Carter this morning. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I, I had forgot how actually good that was. I, I was really impressed with uh, just going back and watching it after seeing so much of other stuff and really going, you know what, this, this was pretty good. So... I don't know if you've watched any of them yet. I haven't seen any of Agent Carter, just uh, her character in the uh, in the series in the in the movies. You got to watch that one with Cindy. I think she'd really like it. Okay. Um, I think it's 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 a very good story. It's 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 woman centric too, right? You know, she's the main character, but she's a kick ass, right? So it's definitely that superhero show. But the the main hero is 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 Carter, you know, Agent Carter, and she holds her own and she does a great job. And it's also it's you know, what do they say? It's the '60s. It's definitely in the past, right? They have it's it's Howard Stark instead of Tony, right? right? He, his character's in there, and and they do a great job with it. I think I think it's really cool. So cool. Uh, so what have you been up to this week, though? I mean, what's going on with you? What's new? Well. You know, you, you you mentioned that before we started the podcast, and and I I feel like I've been running around so much this week with a lot of a lot of 
a lot of things on my shoulder and a lot of it isn't even what what I'm up to it's just what kind of the world is up to and we've got the added uh, added uh, situation of the the fires going on this week that right. has thrown thrown a lot of things into a little bit more chaos on top of the the chaos that we've been living in um, but but it made me think about what I'm doing at work, which uh, I, I think is kind of interesting. It's, it's you know, I'm in IT and so it's technical, but it kind of relates to what we do here. I've been having to troubleshoot uh, multicast streaming at work. And really, oh. and, and you know, you think about here, we're just recording uh, streams and then we're gonna post them. But multicast streaming is basically when you're, when you're doing live streaming of audio right. or video content and a lot of people are listening at the same time and where you get into trouble with the internet it's not like a broadcast television but with the internet if everyone's trying to listen to the same stream of video or, uh, or, or right, a right. video it can it can really saturate a lot of uh, bandwidth out there so what they do is they do something called multicast so where they're just sending out one stream of video or audio and everyone can kind of tap into that one stream and it's duplicated rather than having multiple streams going on at the same time. But the technology and, and I'm in IT, I deal a lot with uh, a lot of with switching and routing and and uh, I'm working a lot with the media department right now that's setting up these uh, media streaming devices for IPTV solutions. And there's a lot to learn about about the technology, uh, we have a we have a an outside vendor that's that's helping me out. We're getting it getting it all set up, and it's it's kind of fun. So that's what we're working with right now. So I know the technology. If we ever want to start doing some live streaming, I might be able to make it happen. Nice, work, nice. So, so. Funny, you started talking about that, and you, you know we're talking about live streaming and or, uh, the yeah. audio stuff like that. Your audio started breaking up. And oh. I was getting the dip, 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 and I'm like, that's funny that he's talking. I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about, but he's going on about it. And then it cleans up at the very end. I was like, that's classic. So, no, and when we've had that, fortunately, I think on this end, I'm doing the recording, so I, right. I think we captured it all, and I haven't lost your audio yet. Yeah. So we'll see how that we've had problems with this before in Discord, and so, but yeah, I just thought that was hilarious. I'm like, yeah. he's talking about problems with uh, <laughs> online audio and video jitter. That's yeah, jitter. Yeah, yeah, and latency. well, I know that. Well, with the the schools all starting up, I know that's a big issue because, I mean, they kind of covered it in the beginning of COVID, but it was kind of like, okay, this is what we're doing. So now it's they're trying to go full bore with a lot of stuff. And and so it's kind of even more so. Um, I know I personally decided not to go back to school this semester just because the online experience for me is not really that great. I don't enjoy it as much. And one of the classes I need to do is math and I really don't want to do math online. I, I, I <laughs> right. kind of need that up front. And, you know, uh, same with my daughter. She chose not to go to university this, this semester essentially because of kind of the same thing. So, you know, it's weird, but, but that's kind of what we're dealing with worldwide. Yeah. I mean, we had a crazy week of weather, right? Right. We've, we've oh had, my gosh. Like, Light, how many how many lightning strikes did we have around here? Over a thousand? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know the number, but I know we had some pretty 10, heavy 000, ones. because it's, it's crazy. Well, I was woken up about three o'clock. Uh, cat just went outside. Uh, I was. <laughs> you guys gotcha. catch that? Yep. <laughs> we, we got a. We got an escapee. Um, so uh, we um, woke. I got woken up by crazy winds about three three thirty in the morning. I mean, I run a fan in my room, and it 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 went over the fact of the fan, like it drowned it out. And I was like, "What the hell's going on?" And I got up and went out and yeah the lightning was going and we had a couple hit that felt like they hit the house uh -huh. you know they yeah. were just so big and strong and so we had 
two days of that realistically i mean we had some during the day some raining we went from like 100 almost 100 degree weather to raining i know matter less than 24 hours it didn't cool things down much i mean at least it kind of blanketed muggy it it got some areas wet which helped with some of the fires but a lot of areas did not see that uh see that uh that help out so no it actually almost made it more muggy and and kind of more uncomfortable um but yeah, we, we had the weekend before that, which was super hot, which I mean, I had a great weekend. I don't know how much I got to talk. I don't remember if I talked about it in the last podcast about going up and seeing my buddy from high school and, and getting to go jet skiing and stuff like that. Um, so that was a huge, fun weekend for me. Um, then we got a puppy, right? On right. Sunday. <laughs> so we, we went from Friday, just kind of chilling, nothing going on to Saturday. Oh, we're going to run off and, and have this big adventure day where we, you know, we were out all day. Then the next day was a five hour drive to get a puppy. <laughs> right. And then, uh, then we got, you know, hundred degree weather, sweating our butts off to then thunderstorms. And then it just, and now we're at fires. It's like, it's Jumanji all over, you know, it's <laughs> what the hell. So it's been a crazy, crazy week for that. I know, I know that much. And I'm sure that's tying into a lot of people's stress uh, in general, you know, not that we've had the greatest, you know, there's so much other stress going on with yeah. it being an election year and Yeah, summer, well, this is my, school, my wife's you know. teaching second grade and this is her first week back with her students. Uh, so she's doing that from here and also she's driving into her school too and doing, but it's all, it's all distance learning, but, uh, but everything. Uh, so, so she's there, but none of the kids are. Yeah. So she goes there on, on, Mondays and Wednesdays and because that makes it home. easier makes it easier to bring the dog in well right now the dog is still <laughs> we still have to wait oh we got gets the last set of shots before we can we yeah can when is that uh, I think in an he's already had three sets so he's got one more appointment in about three weeks I think for oh, last set and uh, then hopefully He'll be cleared to to roam the the earth without. Uh, I thought they I thought they got him a lot sooner than that, just because. Uh, but I, I don't know much about dogs and dog shots and stuff like that. Um, and now we I each have I... a new dog, so we got to update our uh, our profile pic on our on our podcast. <laughs> we're, we're holding our dogs the, or something. <laughs> how how he sees it with dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the fun thing for us is is trying to get the dogs and our our new kittens to uh, play together. The dog wants to play with the kittens so bad. And the kittens are kind of like every day they're letting it get a little bit closer. Like I have a feeling within a couple of weeks they're, they're going to be, you know, best buds. But it's kind of funny because at first they're like, yeah, I don't want anything to do with this this dog. And then now it's kind of like I'll sit there and let them get a little bit closer and then gets too close and then the hiss and they run and then he chases them. And But I, I think our little boy cat, his, I think he's in the point of where he's actually teasing the dog. <laughs> he's he, like he'll lay just at head level you know to let him get close enough and so we'll see it'll be interesting to see how that comes out yeah cool all right well that was kind of a short and sweet of what's going on with us in this last week but i mean that's all right uh what that leads us to is what we're talking about tonight right we're going to do 1984 ghostbusters right, right? a great film i mean I, this i for me this was always one of my top films growing up I, I don't know how many times I watched it. Um, one of those kind of movies that when it rolls by on the, when you're scrolling through TV, you almost always stop and watch at least a little bit. You know, at least I, I always did. I do too. It, it, and, and I think that's why we chose it. I mean, this is this, I think the first, first time we've gone back 
and we're, we're right. watching something from well from our from our uh <laughs> childhood or our teenage, teenagehood yeah teenagehood yeah we were both around what 13 14 um i would have been 13 yeah. i was 14 um and um so it was yeah, huge impact i think this is a cool thing to do especially since there's not a lot of new stuff out right now that that is to go back and talk about some of these these movies that made such an impact i I know um it was about a month or two ago uh it was one of those facebook things where it's like okay uh 10-day challenge where you you just post a picture of uh of a movie don't say anything about it just a movie that was influential Meant something, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meant something to you, um, and so uh, just having to sit there and think about the movies that meant something to you, and um, it's kind of strange when I was doing that. I, I I posted more movies that were that were seen when I was younger than I do now, and I and I was trying to think of okay, why is that? Does is it mean more to you when you're younger and uh, more impressionable? If, if that's why, or were there just better movies back then, you know, on a mental state? And so- That's a big question. And I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks that they were taking more chances. They there, there was a lot more, uh, a lot more to explore. And now it just seems like they only want to produce what they know is going to work. Um, you know, they I, got I into the, kind that. of the game of they got into the game of of you make a movie if it's already got an audience and, and they don't. Oh, yeah. They don't risk a lot of money on something if it doesn't have an audience. So at least so you're either getting something from a from a known universe like the MCU or you're getting something right. that is based off an old product. Uh, you saw a lot right. of remakes about, you know, here, this is the Flintstones. Let's do a live action. Flintstones. <laughs> That's just an example. I know that was one back from the 90s or something like that. But you get a lot. No, of but that I, know, I know what you mean. Yeah, because there's a built in audience and it's, it's rare to see a chance taken on on a new product um, unless you've got True. a big backing star. Uh, as right. Well that knows yeah. And one of the things I was thinking, too, is is time might have a lot to do with it. You know, you see it the first time and maybe it's not as huge as an impact to you mentally when you think about it but when you watch it again a year later or even several times that year and a couple years later and, and five or six years later and it's still meaningful to you then it becomes more impactful and those are the things i thought of so yeah. going back and talking about these movies is is really cool because they they do they have those those ties to them they make you think of things like where you were when you first saw it <laughs> you know what you know the different things like like you know we stranger things they did i think it was in season two they had the kids dress up as the ghostbusters for the halloween which i thought was phenomenal well stranger things is so great about tapping into nostalgia yeah. uh, 80s nostalgia especially yeah but with all all at least their first couple seasons yeah yeah and so it's funny because me and one of my buddies did that uh, <laughs> a halloween we weren't we we weren't nowhere near as good as those guys i don't i think we had I think we had white suits instead of the gray, you know, and we had like, you know, some crazy backpack thing that, you know, wasn't, wasn't as good, but it's still, you know, yeah, we're Ghostbusters, huh? <laughs> kind of thing. Bugging around. It was, it was kind of fun. So yeah, it was kind of cool. So, all right. With that though, right. We got to get into what we're drinking. Okay. Right. And I know you challenged me because I hadn't, I hadn't been following our, <laughs> our, our idea. Like, well, the main idea was just to be drinking, but like, Let's, let's tie this into this a little bit. So I went out a little bit more. Um, I spent a little bit of money, and, and I made this one a little more wow. tied into the movie. So 
rather than just going, let's see what beer I got in the fridge today. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Um, so what do you got? I actually have, I have two drinks, so okay. I'll, I'll go first with the first one. So I, um, I went and because one of them was going to definitely be a, an alcohol, um, based, not beer. Um, I went and looked up a couple things and I found a, a shot or it's not even a shot. It's a, it's a drink. It could, I guess it could be a shot, but it's actually called the Ghostbuster. Okay. On, on the, on the uh, app I have, it's, it's called the Ghostbuster, and it's Bailey's Irish Cream, Kahlua, and vodka, <laughs> which is basically like a white Russian with Bailey's cream instead of the the regular cream, which is one of my favorite drinks anyway. So I was like, yeah, I could do that. Right. So that, that's my first one, just straight up the Ghostbuster. So I got I got that one made. Nice. You look like the dude drinking that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, and it is, but it's very good. Like I said, I could drink these all day long. So what do you got for us, Steve? All right. So, um, I approach this movie a little, a little differently. I've, I, this is one of my favorite, favorite comedies and growing up. And it's, it's one of those that's, that's stuck with me, but going back, I wanted to try to look for something or look for some sort of reason because uh, because comedy isn't my go-to genre you know i'm i i've i've you know i went to film school uh mm -hmm. so what is it about this movie that works so well and makes it so uh, makes it last so much or at least how it impacts me that might be a little different than than it might impact someone someone else and so i i got to give it give it to the movie that that casting and and the 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 story the 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 performances are top notch but I chose to look a little bit more on the cinematography because to me, this movie had such an authentic look to it. And I wanted yes. to explore a little bit more why that really grabbed me so much and, and, and brought me into this movie. And I didn't know it, but this is a, it was, it was a shot by a cinematographer, uh, Laszlo Koz, Kovac that I uh, studied a little bit in film school. Um, oh, nice! He did a lot of movies in the '70s, Easy Easy Rider, and you know he kind of had had an authentic approach. Um, really, uh, really was into lighting and in using light as how to paint an image, which is what all the great cinematographers were were into. But exploring this a little bit more, I I was really uh, taken by the use of colors in the in the movie. And this is really subtle, but there's 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 a few movies out there that that do this where they have a, a particular hue to the film that stands out and you don't really notice it unless you're actually looking for it. And if you watch this movie, it has as authentic as, as it looks, it has a more of a of a lavender or a violet hue to it. In all the hmm. whites you see, it's got kind of that 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 hue. And, and when I say that, if you think of a movie like uh, the Matrix that has mm -hmm. that green, uh, you know, like like a like a old computer screen that that hue right, right. to the movie that kind of uh, saturates the screen, um, and so I was really focusing on colors while I was watching it. One of the most beautiful shots is when they capture Slimer and he's like getting caught, you know, when they're oh when they're right at, right in the ballroom the hotel in the ballroom right, and they capture Slimer and they've got the green slime Slimer. They've got the Slimer. the orange um, uh, the orange proton proton, proton beams, beams yeah that are that are floating around and the backdrop has that 
has that kind of purple hue and it really mm-hmm. excited me so i thought well i gotta i gotta i gotta come up with a mixed drink that that kind of takes takes advantage of these colors so so i stuck with a tequila drink because i wanted my lime i wanted my green lime slimer, <laughs> and it's also got uh, my orange liqueur with a little triple sec I, I tossed in a little bit of Spiritworks gin on top of that, just because I had to acknowledge Spiritworks, uh, and, and, you know, from the from the spirit. It's almost drink. like you're sponsored by them. Yeah, <laughs> I had some just in there, and I thought, shout, oh, Spiritworks. Shout that out awesome. if you I'm want. Gonna, I'm going to throw that in. I've got some tequila in here, obviously, but uh, throw, <laughs> I added some extra extra gin. But I am ta- I opened up a bottle of uh, of um, a uh, a red wine. A uh, what is this? This is. This is a, a GSM, a Grenache, Syrah, Mavedra um, blend from Paso Robles that I came home with. But the idea is I'm going to throw a little splash of this to give it a little bit of that lavender color. Um, and so, so this is kind of what makes it a little unique. Maybe this means something. But look at that. Look at that color. I, uh, nobody can see this except for... for That's a great know, podcast but, thing. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but if you watch the movie... And you look at the whites in the movie. Right. They throw off this little bit of a lavender color, and it really it 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 creates a a mood for the film that really works. Um, nice. So so that was that was the long story of where I came <laughs> up with my drink, and I haven't tasted no, no. it yet. We'll see how a a, yeah. a, a tequila infused with or a tequila uh, uh, wine infused margarita uh... <laughs> with margarita with a little bit of. of blended red wine on top of it taste nice <laughs> all right so you you uh you had me when you said slimer because slimer, right right and that's that's exactly what i thought as soon as i was i was like <laughs> okay i gotta make a drink to this slimer so when i first met my wife she was really into the mandori sours yeah. mandori anything right so i was like that's slimer the mandalorian drink. sours I, 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 is it mandori <laughs> mandori i want to say Man- mandalorian Mandalorian, <laughs> say I'm a really yo. Um, so that was what I had to go get today. It was like because we just haven't had it, and so I, I did. And then I got home and I was like, oh, I don't have any sour mix, Midori, yeah. Okay. And so I had to make my own sour mix. So I had some lemon, um, some limes. I have an actual. We have a lime tree, so I used a little bit of uh, sweetened lime juice, a little bit of regular fresh limes, threw that in there, um, and I didn't go with uh, uh, simple sugar and water but I put a carbonated water in there and used that sweetened lime to kind of cover the, the sweetness of it. Not only that, but Mandori is a super sweet anyways, but yeah. So I have this crazy green. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get a picture of that so I can uh, put that on the, the pod just so, or uh, on the Facebook group, just so if anybody's wondering what my, my Slimer drink looked like. What was that green putty as kids? You get in a little container and you pull it out and it'd just be like green slime. Slime. It was yeah. just called slime. That's what that looks like. But I guess maybe there yeah. was a relation re- relation between green slime and, and Slimer from Ghostbusters. Well, no, because so Nickelodeon came out with their, their shows where they did the, where they dropped the slime on people. Oh, I remember that. Like but that. yeah, but there was slime before that. Uh, well, no, this, well, Nickelodeon was, they came out in probably early 80s. Okay. I mean, it was right That's around that same yeah. time. But I remember Slimer became a big part of the cartoon. Right. He was never right. part of I mean, he was part of the movie, but never part of the Ghostbusters in the movie. But he became like a, a pet almost of them in the in the cartoon. And so Slimer became known to any of the people that watched 
the the cartoon is more of a character than just the the ghost that that slimes bill murray which interesting fact um as i was reading stuff so eddie murphy was supposed to play uh the one part um oh why am i missing i'm missing his name um uh Winston, right? Eddie Murphy was supposed to, they wanted Eddie Murphy to play Winston sure. and he turned it down and apparently when they had written it for Eddie Murphy he was going to be part of the group much earlier than Winston became part of the group and he was originally supposed to get slimed instead of Bill Murray um, one of the things I just read and I was like oh that's interesting now come to think I started like man if Eddie Murphy would have been in that would have it been better or would he huh. have distracted? Because Bill Murray carries the comedy, right? right. And if you think of, act, and, and and since you're talking about Slimer, you know Bill Murray wasn't originally gonna gonna play the role of Peter Vinkman. It was gonna be John Belushi. John Belushi right. is when when it was originally conceived of by Dan Aykroyd, and, right? Uh, that that's that's who he was thinking is John Belushi. Um, but but he died in the early 80s yeah. or something but um and they brought in bill murray but slimer they based slimer on Off john of, belushi exactly when they when i was they gonna bring that it. up yeah yeah so. <laughs> well that's i guess dan Ackray called him uh the belushi something belushi the whole time like through the whole project and um it was based on his animal house scene when he was eating you know eating all the food, food fight and, uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. it. that's right he throws all the food in his in his cheeks so uh, yeah, so I thought that was kind of funny. Is that that Slimer was based off of him and stuff like that, which shows you know uh, Dan Aykroyd. You know, it's it's one of those we see this a lot in a lot of um, new movies and, and shows and stuff like that, where comedians specifically um, they get their little packs and they they stick together in a lot of stuff and they bring their buddies along. Like Adam Sandler and his little group are, are a huge example of this. You know, Adam Sandler has all his. All of his friends are always in his movies, even if it's just a bit part. He has he has a part for him, and it's the same thing with yeah. Dan Aykroyd and and those guys and stuff like that. They well, they they yeah. And this movie Ghostbusters was probably one of the first ones that really was carried by a whole bunch of people that had their start in TV, and it really made way for that kind of crossover from TV to to movies. Well, um, Sigourney Weaver had already hit big with Aliens. Um, Bill Murray, I mean, he had Caddyshack. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, I'm not sure if he had, I mean, I'm, I could look it they up. Yeah, Blues but, Brothers. Right. Yeah, so I mean, they all had some big hit for movies. So they all they all had some names. I just thought it was kind of cool that, you know, this was written originally by Dan Aykroyd. Um, mm -hmm. I found out it was it was originally written as more of a, a futuristic kind yeah, of. Yeah, I did, uh, I saw that too, yeah. And, and that, you know, that they had to rewrite it because otherwise the, the budget would have been so crazy. And then uh, uh, the co-writer, right, was um, uh, Harold uh, Remus, who played Egon, who, right, he, he was the co-writer into this. And he, he hadn't originally planned to be Egon, but after everything was said and done, he's like, yeah, I'm the only one that can do this. This, <laughs> this, this, this is me. And so, I mean, he, he didn't write that part for himself. It just he couldn't find anybody else that he thought could do it better. And I thought just the way these things came together. And the director, I think they worked a little bit with the director too, Ivan Reitman. So who yeah. had who had also directed Harold Ramis and John Candy in Stripes, 
which yeah well and then that was also john candy yeah you're gonna go into john candy because i thought no no i was gonna say it's also bill murray true true right he brought them both but john candy was originally conceived for the role of uh the uh the one that (laughs) merc moranis uh, played (laughs) the 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 key master yeah (laughs) um and um but he wanted the role john john candy wanted the role expanded he wanted to do it uh uh, do the role I think like as a dog like a, a Swedish dog sitter or something like that it, it's and it sounded like he wanted to go a direction that they weren't interested in so they said no. he wanted to make it more about him instead of more about the movie he did, which I yeah. think I, I'm kind of glad they didn't I mean I, we don't know well, what it would gosh, have been like we wouldn't have had there. Rick Moranis who's classic he, role <laughs> I, I was just thinking about that when I was watching this like his his physical um, movements <laughs> while he's playing, you know, like when he's possessed, watching him walk and stuff, and and the stuff he does, I was like, man, he put he put it all into it. He he did a great job. Apparently, and he came up with his own wardrobe too. So I don't know if that was his clothes <laughs> or if he just brought clothes from the from the uh, thrift store or something. But that was all Rick Moranis. <laughs> the, the, and him getting locked out of his house the whole every time. Every time I know. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and just the whole character and and uh, so watching it again today. Um, and I don't remember if if this was just my own memory from this movie when he's he's got his party going and then he dances with the really tall blonde girl. Right. Right. And so I was like, God, I, what else is she in? And so I actually went and looked it up. She's not really in much else. Um, it's actually uh, it's um, what's her, her name is Jean. Um, uh, uh, what's the what's the um, radio guy? Uh the radio guy, Howard Stern? No, no, no. Um, the one that does like the, the midnight drop and uh, Casey Kasem. Oh, <laughs> that's that's his wife. That's oh, it, Jean oh, Kasem. It? That's his wife. So <laughs> her in that one role was so iconic to me that I thought I had seen her in other things as that person. But it was just from that role. Because as soon as I saw it again, I'm like, oh, my God, I still remember that chick. Like, what else? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I guess she's been she did a lot of uh, voice acting and stuff like that, but I just thought that was funny because it just kind of like, like what? Oh my god! So um, yeah, just some some things that you know really trigger you on this movie with when you see things again and and you know even the very beginning when the uh, the librarian, right? You know they they start off with her just all silent and <laughs> and then they they charge her. <laughs> oh, the, you mean the ghost, not the light. Librarian's already, already. Yeah. Oh, kind well, yeah. Of I mean that out. that scene too is is kind of cool. But yeah, no, the the ghost librarian where she turns and becomes all, you know, crazy looking and stuff. Yeah, that's one of those scenes that as soon as I saw it again, I was like, oh my god, I've seen that, and I've seen that in my terrors, like in my dreams, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah they so. had a few standout special effects. Not all of them worked in this movie. Some of them looked a little you know like rushed because i it sounds so, like the production was really rushed but but and boy, it was, that was and a standout and, and the climax was certainly a standout so that was that was part of the reason that they did look that way is they were rushed mm-hmm. and they made the decision to not clean them up and just hope that people wouldn't care and people didn't care there's no. there's they, yeah. they talk about you can see wires and stuff and a couple other things and 
and uh, well, it is. They didn't rely so much on special effects. I think they did in the climax, and 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 but but in most cases they did a lot of cutaways. You see a lot of reaction shots, yeah. and they work so much better that way when it's not so yeah. effects heavy, or it's not you know it was more about the performances, and yeah, and just a ridiculous, you know. So the, talking, uh, go ahead. We're talking about the performances, right? So uh, I was reading something that they said most of the the lines that were read and actually recorded were not scripted. It was a lot of off the cuff, especially with Bill Murray. I read a little bit about uh, from when I was looking into some of the cinematography and they said this is one of the early movies where they actually had multiple cameras running at the same time so they could kind of follow follow the actors when they went off 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 script just doing their thing (laughs) yeah because you grab some great stuff doing that and bill murray did was was so good well it bill bill murray in this he starts it off right off the bat with that that the way it starts off he he is he's in that full comedic you know zone where he's also you know a little little lecherous little little but he really you know, owns you know, his character too it's not oh, just 100 percent. you know you know he's one of those he's he's an actor there there's 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 certain actors out there that they play themselves really well you know you, yeah, you, you're right. kind of always hoping that when you see a bill murray movie you're expecting something and yeah and and, he almost always delivers too. Right. But in in this one it's nice to see that yeah, he is Bill Murray, but he's also really owning his, you know, his character, the way he's trying to totally, you know, you know, yeah. uh date the date the girl, do everything right. he can. Um and <laughs> oh, the he guy was about the way. Yeah, and the guy oh, who's I got love... the little clairvoyance or whatever, he just like shuts him down. It's like, get out of here. <laughs> well, he shocks him. <laughs> and he, and right. then one time he do, he does guess right. And he's like, no, no, <laughs> shocks him again. Yeah, that was great. Um, and then his his interaction with um, the the Peck character, right? The the um, the kind of bad guy in this one that shuts down the containment center. Uh-huh. That they, they crack me up with that, especially the one where you know they're in the mayor's office, dogs and, and cats and it, living together. Yeah, well, that <laughs> yeah, that one and and then uh, it's it, it's actually Dan Aykroyd goes oh, and Nicholas here turned off the containment center, <laughs> and the right. mayor's like he looks at Bill Murray and he goes, "Is that right?" Yes, this man is Dickless. <laughs> this man has no dick. Um, yeah, you're talking about Peck. Um, he, He's a very familiar bad guy because you, you all we also saw him in Die Hard as wasn't he like uh, the reporter in Die Hard that was always trying to 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 get the to well, get the story at the expense of 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 whatever that happened. Makes sense, and then yeah. also he was in one of another one of my favorite movies uh, comedies, uh, Real Genius with Val Kilmer. He's the oh he's right the head right he's professor the, or something he's, that he's the professor that that's screws all over up. everyone yeah. Um, right, and, that's a great uh, movie. Yeah, it is. It is, and uh, but he he's kind of a character actor that plays a bad bad guy role, or like like a like a kind of that haughty stuck up bad guy role very well. It's funny that the three <laughs> the three movies right Ghostbusters, Die Hard, and and uh, Real, Real Genius. Genius. Those are the three movies he's known most for on IMDb. Okay, I didn't look it up. I, I that was my IMD Steve. Thank you very much. Yeah, that, that's that's it. That's why I've called you that forever, right? That's how you've always been. When we're talking in the '80s, once we get in '90s, actually too, because I was I was a blockbuster in the '90s. But beyond that, it's you, a little tougher. You were there. My memory Rolodex. started slipping when I got into my my 40s, and that's all right. Yeah, I mean, 
it, it's it's the knowledge you know right and 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 the stuff that you can pull i mean you do great with it I, i'm not so i'm not so great with it. i i forget names of people i talked to just minutes ago oh, ernie hudson so i think you were trying to think of his name a little while ago I, I was I was actually trying to think of the act, uh, the character's name, which was Winston. Okay. And and I, I don't know why I was um, I wrote all these things down. I just wasn't looking at them. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, it was I was watching this and I loved it. One of the things that uh, when I was watching this, I was trying to think offhand is like, okay, Sigourney Weaver is in this, right? She was the main female role. And I was like, okay, was this her, one of her first roles? And then I looked it up and <laughs> saw that it, she, Aliens was before this. Aliens. Not aliens. aliens, right? Yeah. Right. Um, I always do that. I always throw S's on things. <laughs> um, so, uh, which I thought was really cool that she went from that movie and then that kind of got her up to being a big enough star that she, you know, was able to do this. And I was looking at um, all the stuff that she's done. Man, she's been in a ton of movies. I mean, she does little even bit roles in just a ton of movies. It's like she just, it's like she's got to work. Like I got it. Yeah. I got to keep working. Well, working I, I, girl. There you go. You should got to work. Working girl. Right. I loved that movie, and and she had a great role in that. I think she was even nominated for an Academy Award in that too. That was, in fact, I think that was the same year that she was nominated for Diane Fossey in Gorillas in the Mist. So yeah. Uh, then then those roles. It, it that it's see here's an here's here's an actor that that isn't nece isn't necessarily typecast in. In, oh right! You, if you look at Working Girl versus Gorillas in the Mist, those characters can't be further from from Alien and Ghostbuster. Themselves. I mean, right? They're pretty far, right. far fetched from each other. So, yeah, yeah. So she has quite. Getting a back to getting back to Rick Moranis in this too. <laughs> um, so you you'd mentioned the kid that was uh, doing the the ESP test. Right. When I first saw him, I was like, God, that that looks like he could be related to Rick Moranis. <laughs> like just, I don't know why. Um, but then, uh, then getting back into, I, uh, that's just one thing I was going off on, but the Rick Moranis character, he wait, did wait, such wait, a, wait a second. Did you look it up? Was he? They're not, but I'm just okay. saying, <laughs> if, if you look at him, they look, I just thought it was, okay. I was just something I, I was just throwing that out there. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay How you okay. saw it. <laughs> <laughs> How I saw it. I saw he looked like him. Um, but the Rick Moranis character, uh, he brought such an energy to that 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 nerd level and and just awkward level of you know the guy <laughs> trying so hard to get the girl and then when they're when they're the key master and the um gatekeeper together right and they finally meet up i love the fact that she dips him and gives him the kiss rather than like <laughs> she takes the lead role and it's like it just it never stops for him he just can never get a leg up and I just thought that was so funny when and when I was watching it the second time, I, I really kind of geared in on that. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Like, I, I think someone saw the way everything was going with that and wrote that in specifically for that purpose. I was like, that that's good writing right there. You know, you watch this movie and I think there's a couple times where they cut to these, you know, musical montages where they put together a bunch of scenes and and you get a sense that there was probably, you know, when you're watching the movie, when I was watching in the 80s, they just seemed like, oh, this is all this stuff that's happening. Oh, that's fun. And I get to hear yeah. a little music medley at the same time. <laughs> but now you watch it and you say, oh, that, that's probably a lot of stuff that was on the cutting room floor and they were just trying to to kind of show some stuff that happened. But there was some scenes that that scene you mentioned with the uh, the blonde uh, kind of dits that he was dancing in, with. In 
that is such a brilliant scene. It really doesn't have anything to do with the movie. And I'm thrilled that they, they decided to, to highlight cause it's a long scene where it shows him right. talking to all his guests and calling him out by name and showing just, you know, how he's just really trying to own this party. And if you look at all the background of all the people that they, they, they really cast them in a way that to make them all seem like they're just a whole bunch of nerds. And it, it was brilliant the way he, he just, carried that entire scene for a, a good couple minutes and uh it really had nothing to do with the movie but uh but just showed off his no, his skills you're, yeah you're 100% right if i not if i'm not mistaken i think i read in there that and this is where i, I think you'll be happy is that scene was a continuous take scene his party <laughs> yeah. I, I watched I, I watched it uh, when I was watching it today from a from a cinematic point of view. I was enthralled by the, you know it starts on him as he's doing something. It pans down at the food. He's carrying the conversation. It pans back yeah. up. It it's it, and when I was uh, when I was in film school and doing you know because I did I did cin I focused on cinematography and then and then direction. So I had to I had to put a lot of scenes together. Um, for some of the stuff I was doing for projects, I would go to movies like uh, I remember watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. I had I had a movie that I did in in college that was very dialogue heavy, and I was really worried that it would get very boring watching a bunch of people talking. So Talk. I was trying to figure out how to move the camera around and do a lot of blocking. Blocking is where is how you position the actors and have them move around and uh, mm -hmm. um, and have the camera relate to that. And um, one of the scenes in Raiders of the Lost Ark I remember is when uh, Harrison Ford's character Indiana Jones is is getting ready. He's packing and he's talking to Brody. And I remember studying that scene because that's another continuous, <laughs> it's a continuous take. And it's just this dialogue heavy scene where they're, where he's getting ready and putting all his packing his stuff in his, in a bag. And the, in the final shot, he tosses the gun in the suitcase and, and says some iconic line that I can't, I can't remember right now. Can't remember. But, right. <laughs> but this is another scene. You look at it and you say, wow, here's, Here's someone that's that's carrying a scene with through his dialogue, and the camera just is flowing and moving. Right. And and you watch this movie from a cinematography point of view. There's a lot of moving shots, and that's unusual for a comedy. Comedy a lot of times is you point the camera and the actors go. But here they're moving right. around a lot and keeping things very uh, very authentic. And uh, I like that. It, it drew yeah. me in a lot more. So another interesting fact on this one. <laughs> Sorry, um, is, I went off for a little while. No, no, that's fine. That's that's what it should be. That's what we're talking about. That's how you see it, right? Uh, so one of the other things I read was um, this was the highest grossing comedy um, when it came out until uh, 1990 when it got beat out by Home Alone. Really? So it stood for six years as the what highest about, grossing comedy. So Beverly Hills Cop did not... Okay. Now that's it. So it's it it beat out all those and kept it for six years and got beat out by Home Alone, which is a great movie. I I just I mean I wonder if there was a little inflation involved in that. You know, as far as like six years later, did that help it? You know, you well, know they Home talk Alone, about the movies. Yeah, Home Alone had more of a family draw. So box office true. Box office is not always the best way of relating. A, you know, a, a good movie. You know, a successful true, movie. True. Yes, but. Uh, but sometimes, uh, you know, you slap an R rating on a on a movie, and you're gonna, <laughs> people do it for a reason that 
says you, you you know it's this isn't necessarily going to be uh, Unless a movie that's going to have as much money, but but it, we want to do that because it makes it a a, a more effective piece of art, um, like Deadpool. Like Deadpool. Deadpool, yeah. Deadpool needed to be an R-rated movie. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I actually don't, think, I don't, and I don't think uh, Ghostbusters. That that obviously wasn't. That was no, RPG. no. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think there was anything. Um, I don't think they don't had PG thirteen yet in eighty four. I think PG PG thirteen came out after um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom got people a little. You know, that had the whole scene where they were ripping the heart out of out yeah. of bodies. That freaked a lot of people out, and they added the PG-13 rating. I think it was based on that movie, which came, and that movie came out in 1984. So uh, I no, this, don't... Is, this was definitely a PG because I don't, I don't even think there was a lot of you know cursing or anything like that. You yeah, know. And, and trivia. I'm gonna throw this out there since I just brought up PG-13. Do you know what the first PG-13 movie was? No, I actually don't. Red Dawn. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right. That's interesting. I, I, okay, no, that, I mean that's cool. I, I think it's funny that they, you know, the, they the first the, Red Dawn with Charlie Sheen and uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Well, the, the, that was the whole um, the Wolverines, right? Is that it, the? I know that's the 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 kids that that were at the high school that have yes. the the Russians. Yeah, that's yes. the the Wolverines. Yeah. But they remade it. They remade it about a decade ago. So yeah, yeah, it wasn't as good. With Chris um, yeah, no. right? I think. Oh, geez, I don't know. It, it was okay. so bad. I don't remember anybody from. I it. didn't see it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the original Red Dawn. Uh, their mascot from their high school was the Wolverines. I, I remember that uh, very distinctly. Um, that was yeah. That okay. That's a cool movie. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was thinking about Ghostbusters. Yeah, there's they, there's not really a lot of cursing. Um, I thought for a half a second that there might have been a nipple slip in there. So with Sigourney, <laughs> yeah. Sigourney Weaver, when she uh, was sitting in the chair um, before, like the, the when she's being abducted to become the dog, right? The hands come out of the, the chair and grab her. Yeah. The one is, is, is totally groping her up, right? And then, and he kind of pulls down and, and she, you basically you get, she has kind of a pinkish bra on, but it's very fleshy colored. Uh -huh. And it's just this really quick. And I was like, wait, what, was that really what I thought it was? So I had to rewind a couple times just to make sure. Do you know that um, when she auditioned for the role of of uh, in, in Ghostbusters, uh, she, apparently this is what I read. Uh, there was no dialogue. She just she just auditioned as her transformation into the dog. Nice. Yeah, that just, was just wearing the the red dress and barking. I, I don't know about that, but Ivan Reitman saw it. And he said, "You're hired," or something. Maybe he'd, <laughs> yeah. already, he'd already seen her dramatic work in uh, in Alien. But she was, she was a, I like this in comedies when they, when they add, when, when they don't, you know, you bring in a lot of actors, you know, Rick Moranis obviously was playing up the comedy and he did such a brilliant mm -hmm. job, but Sigourney Weaver, she played it straight and did it so well. It really, it worked well with Bill Murray and how he was trying to come on to her. I loved her line when well, she, she's, when she says, you're so odd. I, I really, <laughs> I mean, he, she didn't want to be attracted to this guy. He's such a weirdo. And yet she right. obviously found something. And, and I like how that kind of acknowledged the fact that, that sometimes you're just drawn to someone for weird, what, she's, whatever. She's not knows. a comedic, she's not a comedic actor. I mean, look at her. Oh, her she's got brilliant best. timing in, in Working Girl. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's just not her, it's not her normal 
Like if you would, if you, well, she's not a punchline comedian, but I think, I think, I think she has wonderful timing and timing is where comedy comes into play. It's not about, it's not about, she she plays the straight guy, right? In a comedy duo. I, she I, plays the straight guy. Yes, she absolutely does, and I think that right. was that was what I was I was meaning yeah. about how she plays it straight. But I think she understands comedy and that. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. And how to support someone who's you know like Bill Murray and, and the lines he's bringing. But she has well, such good timing. Everybody's going to be how the you land a, land a joke. You you have to. It's the yeah. assist. <laughs> well, it, you're always going to have no matter who you are, you're going to be the straight man with Bill Murray. There, there, I mean. <laughs> Outside of like maybe uh, Robin Williams, right? That would be okay. maybe the only one that could take the 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 the, the non-straight guy <laughs> role away from, you know. Um, but with her, with Sigourney Weaver in her, I, I when it when he comes up and she comes out of the the practice in her music or whatever, doing the the music, and she gets that big smile and then he's talking. You can almost see her start to laugh. There's a couple of <laughs> times you can just see her just start to crack up. And it, it, it I love that part of it because it but was like, did, it, but it, it actually worked really original. Yeah. It, yeah well, it, it worked with the character it was, I mean, maybe she was actually genuinely amused by what he was saying, but, but the way she was playing the character that totally fit into the, into the yeah. authenticity of, of, of the movie. And, and, Ooh. you know, I brought this up at the beginning when I was talking about my drink about authentic and I, as far as cinematography, and I think that is one of the big successes of this movie because you're dealing with such a ridiculous idea about a bunch of people <laughs> that are chasing down ghosts and 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 yet I don't know they, I would love they, this if this was real yeah but they play I it would off be a so authentic with with uh, you know the the backdrop the 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 moods oh I love the long lenses they use this is more the cinematography geek in me <laughs> but but yeah. you really get a sense of of New York and the and I know they shot some of it in LA and some of it in New York but 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 I they think really most of the cast- outside shots were were um, except for like close set stuff I think everything was New York but close set stuff I think was LA but you get a sense of the uh, the expanse of of the scenes it's not yeah. it's not focused in always on just the characters long lenses you, you know with a long lens what you do is you put the camera you know 50 feet away and you zoom in and it'll it'll completely come it'll it'll throw a lot of things out of focus mm-hmm. and and even in that scene with rick moranis that long take you were talking about if you watch it oh where he's running away from him there no i'm talking about the scene oh uh, oh in the in the house the, when in, yeah, in the house yeah that you'll you'll see a lot of people cross the camera in the foreground out of focus and it really creates a certain depth to that scene where it's not just following Rick Moranis you you get a sense well, that there's a party he goes down on. and shows the salmon and, yeah. and <laughs> but but those things just create an authenticity that I am always in love with Spielberg in if you watch jaws Jaws is yes. so good with some some of the cinematography it uses and how it how it moves well, the camera and captures. I think they sense ha- I think they used to have to be better at it because they couldn't fix it with digital. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Now they can fix so much stuff with digital. It, it's almost like they they don't have to work as hard to get a better scene, right? And then so you were talking about the 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 city scenes and stuff like that. And that was actually one of the things I really loved about this. Like the, the whole thing where they're getting ready to go up on top of the building and the, and all the crowds cheering and yeah. stuff like that. And it reminded me of uh, Spider-Man, uh, the, uh, 
the one that was in 2001 um when they had when he's hanging when the i think it's the 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 bus there's something or no it's it's that it's that cable car that's or something is dangling and falling and, and mm-hmm. they're, they're on the brooklyn bridge or something like that oh and, right and, right and new york is all there it's like you mess with one of us you mess with all of us that's yeah. th- this kind of tapped into that same sort of new york uh well, what i liked about it more was is it the crowd it seemed it, it reminded me of of back being in the 80s right the people and the hairstyles and just the clothes and just <laughs> okay gotcha. it just seemed it seemed <laughs> It seemed people were nicer. It seemed like you look now and and all the videos and it's just a bunch of shit people doing shit things. And this seemed like a city I, that cared about a people. And, and I think and we're more ju- I think we're more judgmental now. And I think it's because maybe. there's so much more presented to us that we can't, oh, yeah. that we can't interact with. And and True. so all we can do is judge it from afar. We see, and I and I think of social media and the internet as being the, the biggest oh, yeah. culprit of that. Is that is that you can view things, but you can't necessarily react in real time. I think I think back in the eighties, everything was so much more there to to react to, and we became, you know, you 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 weren't disassociated with it. You were associated with it. Here yeah. now we have the internet, and it's so disassociative. Uh, yeah. But I just loved, I loved the, (laughs) I know what you mean. Uh, I think I know what you mean. Uh, No, I love the, I love the fact that just all the people there uh, cheering, enjoying, like, it's almost like it was a big party and and people were having fun with it. Matter of fact, there's one scene and it's just, it's, it's like they, you know, they were talking to all the extras and like, okay, this is going to be the scene where we're bringing in the Ghostbusters and you're supposed to start cheering. And you could see this one guy didn't get all the commands right because he starts kind of jumping up and cheering <laughs> early, and he just catches my eye, caught my eye both times. I'm like, this guy's off. <laughs> like, but it was one of those things is he generally like got this happy expression on his face, and it just kind of made me smile. And I was like, he's just a happy idiot. But you know, uh, I really liked those scenes. And um, one of the things I read too was that they uh, a lot of the scenes of the car driving around and a lot of the them running down the street and all this stuff like that was shot the very first day. And a lot of them were without even permits. They just <laughs> did it. Great. That's awesome. And they just like, fuck it, let's go do it. And uh, I thought that was kind of cool because, it, it, you know. I, I read something about how they had to shut down a, a block or something when they were doing a scene in front of uh, Sigourney Weaver's uh apartment building or something like that and um it affected traffic enough to where they it caused some really big issues with oh. with the brooklyn bridge or something like that but isaac asimov the the author actually uh-huh. came onto the scene and was like pissed off like what the hell are you doing dan Aykroyd, who was a big fan had to kind of calm him down and and tell him and and i i think they ended up blaming it on because uh, the media got a hold of that that things uh went a little out of control but they blamed it on cotton club which was shooting uh down the street or something they blamed the traffic it, jams on cotton club but i thought the a- isaac asimov thing was uh kind of that's hilarious yeah. like no it wasn't us it was those <laughs> right so I just pulled this up, the writers, right? You talked about that, writers. Uh, apparently, it was just Dan Aykroyd, uh, Harold Remus, and guess who? Rick Moranis. What? I didn't know. That's okay. what it says. That's me. Okay. It says he's an uncredited writer. It says but, there's three people, okay. r- writers, according to IMDb. I go with you, my IMD Steve, so if you have some <laughs> different information. Well, um... <laughs> well yeah. 
I, I think I threw in uh, Ivan Reitman because of how. Well, he was the director. He was the, director, the director, and I and they probably maybe they gave him some credit because he had a lot to do with getting it. Some getting rewrites. It going. I know that. I know that. That well, I think they came to Ivan Reitman before they had the screenplay done. And they oh. and he he was the one that helped get it produced, get the money yeah. funded, and and they were limited I, on time, and so they had to go scramble I and like, put it all together. I like thinking that uh, you know Rick Ramirez had part to do with writing this. Like like he goes, no no, I'm gonna write this part for for this guy. He's gonna be a total nerd, and I'm gonna play him. When when you're like, dealing with actors who can who can do performances off the cuff, you got to give them some sort of, yeah. of of writing credit because because that's that's what they do. They just yeah. they they're they're ad lib. They're they're well. I was really impressed when I read that Dan Aykroyd wrote this because um, not not to to put down Dan Aykroyd for anything because he's he's a brilliant actor and and everything he's done. I just had never attributed him to being a writer. And to me, I, I was like, "Oh, that that's cool. That adds another level. That that one ups him, you know." Yeah, he I'm he sorry. actually uh, when when it came to the sequel, which I don't think came out until 1989 or something like that, Ghostbusters two, it was delayed so long. One one Bill Murray, I guess, took a took a break from acting. Uh, they the it sounds like the cast were a little at odds with each other. They didn't want to work together. They <laughs> took them a little while. Um, but um, Dan Aykroyd had had kind of a string of, a string of failure failed movies too for a while, and so the production company. Well, there was thoughts that the production company just didn't want to invest in another Ghostbusters movie uh, because, well, they, they I were think, afraid you know, that he couldn't carry it. I mean, not that it was like it, it wasn't better than the first one, but I still think it had some some great stuff to it. Like I remember, I think I remember more about. Ghostbusters two than I do about one sometimes because it the only thing I a... remember is the courtroom scene which I thought was brilliant but besides that I don't I don't remember. oh but they had the better villain the the uh, uh, yeah well, <laughs> okay what was it you know um, uh, what's his name the big the Drago well, or yeah well you know you know you, the, you, the you talk about art. a villain you're you're right because if you look at the first Ghostbusters the, it didn't it wasn't it wasn't the villain or there were there were some things that didn't work in the movie and i think it was it was the it was the performances that definitely elevated it but but the way ernie hudson was kind of under that that whole character was well that was a whole rewrite too cuz like i said originally um, that that was supposed to be eddie murphy and they they rewrote yeah. the and and brought him in later and and cut his cut him back way back cut him back to the point where it just it it made it it made his character seem like it it was it was it was there for he was, the wrong he, reasons you know he was he was, was a, a fourth wheel yeah, yeah to, and, to, and which is unfortunate because because if they could have written that in and made it more of a of a character that that made a difference well it would have been I think great. they were I think at that point they were looking at the star factor to to bring the movie and he didn't have a star factor mm -hmm. right he he was an unknown at that point for the most part and so uh it was kind of that aspect which was sad because i mean they could have they could have promoted him huge by just bringing him in and just saying yeah we're going to leave the we're going to leave the role as it was for Eddie Murphy and you're going to do it yeah but he does he does have one of the one of my favorite lines in the movie that's a big twinkie you know <laughs> no no it's, 
when someone asks you if you're a god, you say fucking yeah. <laughs> that's that's the one I remember. Or when uh, Bill Murray comes out, we came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Yeah, this movie has a whole bunch of great. Oh, movies. it does, it does, and, oh. and that's um, God. What was, I was reading something about that. About it has all these great one-liners that are are great movie quotes. As soon as you say it, most people know it. Although we came, we saw, it kicked its ass. I. I've I know that saying, but I would have never put that to Ghostbusters. I would have put that to some. I thought that was like if I would have known. Okay, Bill Murray says this. I would have been like, uh, okay, Stripes, <laughs> right? Which is I love that movie too. That's yeah. another one that's so good. <laughs> Although I don't think that movie holds up now as well as Ghostbusters does. Now. Stripes Stripes was a movie when I was a kid that I used to have to sneak to go watch late <laughs> yeah. at night. It was on HBO and I think it was after yeah. 10 o'clock because yeah. it was already... And there was that yep. mud wrestling that always... Yep, you know. <laughs> oh, the, no. The, <laughs> yes, no. And I, I know exactly because I was the same kid. I was like, oh yeah, where's that spatula? <laughs> I don't know why, but where's that spatula? Hey, so let's talk about music because I remember uh, when I was younger that there was a court case with the movie or the song Ghostbusters, um, mm -hmm. which got, was, was a huge hit. Um, and Huey Lewis and the news sued, uh, uh, who wrote Ghostbusters? You've got your um, IMDB up. Uh, yeah, that was, it's, um, uh, I wanted to say Freddie Prince, but it's not. No, it's, um... no. Uh, but, um, so, Huey Lewis sued Ghostbusters. Ray I, Parker I, Jr. Ray Parker Jr. Um, or sued Ray Parker Jr. Maybe I'm not sure who who, who he sued or who the band sued um, because it sounded a lot like I Want a New Drug. And I remember at the time thinking that was kind of ridiculous. But yeah, it was just no, today. I... Well, l listen, I just today I found out when I was doing some research that... Um, Ivan Reitman actually originally came to Huey Lewis and asked him to write a song for this this movie. And Huey Lewis, I guess, had just done Back to the Future and didn't want to uh, throw another. Although that movie came out in '85, so maybe it, maybe this was uh, after you know he was doing maybe, in the process of doing one for maybe what for it was is. But, is he didn't want to do a movie and then all of a sudden he did Back to the Future because it, this one came out and he's like, oh, I should have done that because it was fucking yeah. huge. <laughs> but you That's know what why Ivan, he sued him. Maybe, well, you know what Ivan Reitman did? Ivan Reitman used the song I Want a New Drug as a temporary filler in the rough cut for Ghostbusters while he was trying to find a song. And uh, my my guess is that that Ray Parker Jr. probably you know saw the rough cut and and if and there are some similarities, but that kind of added some weight to the reason why Huey Lewis might might sue. So uh, let me ask you this suing. though: Did he win the court case? Uh, so it went. It, so it sounds like he may have. But what do they call it when you uh, when you can't talk about it? There was a gag order, or, or you know they they couldn't talk about. Did they settle out of court? They settled. There was there was a settlement, but. Whatever it was, I don't know if it was settled out of court, but but uh, uh, Huey Lewis was not allowed to talk about the settlement, whatever mm -hmm. it was, and and I know that because Ray Parker Jr. ended up suing 
Huey Lewis later because of a breach of, of oh, whatever that, of and he and he got some got some good money out of got it. Got some so, money back. <laughs> so so the details are uh, are under wraps, but I, uh, you know, to me that I've always I've always wondered about that, and 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 because I don't understand it enough. I'm not a musician. I'm I'm nowhere close to it, and I I know there's you hear all these court cases, and it's like. If you sued over, I mean, music breeds music, right? You hear a beat and it makes you think of something and, and yeah, you may change it up a little bit, yeah. but it's like, is that enough to sue over? Like it's, to me, it's just like, well, this, this added a little bit more credence to it. Or, is that the right word? Um, credibility to it. Um, because, because Ivan Reitman used it as a filler and and so it makes then he sense should have that sued, then he should have sued i well maybe he did i don't know who sued who or whatever i just know that there was a lawsuit but but it makes sense that he said hey i should get some credit for this if, if you're going to base a song and that sounds a lot like my song and if you you listen to them there are there are some similarities you can you can i think they've got a mashup on youtube so you can listen to them uh, side by side and it certainly has the same rhythm and stuff but but if you're going to do that, then it seems like Huey Lewis should get some a little bit of royalties from it. You know, I don't know anymore on that. You you can only have so many fucking rhythms. I I totally agree with you. I think I think some of this stuff is ridiculous about lawsuits. I just it just added a little bit more credibility to the case yeah. because he used that song. I, I I can see so. that. I can see that, and maybe that. But that to me, yeah, I know. I just I I really hate the whole court sue system thing. It's to me, it yeah. it's it. There, it's this country and this world is so so happy over every little fucking thing. It's ridiculous. It's, and it's like, me, you're right. Music does breed music. I, I, I've done a little bit of, of music writing and I remember one song I wrote. It was, it was like weeks later and I heard a song and I, and I, I recognized a little bit of the riff that I used in one of mine. I'm like, Oh crap, that inspired that song. And I felt, I felt a little guilty. I went back and I kind of buried that little, uh, you know, I, I tried to, I tried to bury it with some other instruments to, to See, make that, it less uh, and, less noticeable. And that was, to me is that's where that's where the problem with the lawsuits come. It's like, look, you know, I, I'm sure Huey Lewis in the news didn't create all their own fucking music from never hearing any other fucking song. So for them to go say, "Hey, you created that song because you heard mine," I want money is bullshit. I, I right now I have lost so much fucking respect for Huey Lewis in the news because of that. Just on that principle alone it just irritates me enough it's like movies right mm -hmm. you, you watch a movie I'm, I'm sure like you know every actor out there and every every uh director out there and writer out there is like oh no i just pulled this out of my ass i fucking created this because i've never fucking seen anything else like i've never got anything to draw from it, it that's music is the same way you you can't just become a musician without ever listening to other music so in theory what do we all owe i don't know who's the first fucking musician ever right is it pan right isn't he the the olympus god of music right shouldn't he be able to sue everybody you know what i mean it's just <laughs> no i it's totally like, i know what you mean i know what you especially when you're dealing with something like God. music that is more of a of, of a of a spiritual beauty within us that just right. gets inspired you know music is inspiring and it inspires it inspires us to create more music so obviously there's going to be a thread that that goes from one to the next so yeah. i i know exactly oh. what you're saying um i don't i don't necessarily dis well I, I, I just, was never it, a big uh, Huey Lewis fan, but I love that scene from what's the what's the <laughs> what's, what's the scene the 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 American uh, uh, 
who who played Batman in uh, in Val uh, Kilmer? No, 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 Val no, no. In in the Dark Knight series. Oh, um, oh, uh, geez, uh, oh well. God, why am I... I no, I know. The, I... the same actor played a role uh, where he was a kind of a, a murdering businessman. <laughs> Shit, I can't. I don't know why I can't think of this. Like American. What's what's his name? You're looking it up. Christian Bale. Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. So what was the movie? Look at his look at his uh, movies. It was one of his early movies. It's like American Batman, Batman. American yeah. Psycho. Make it American Psycho. Thank you, thank you. So look up a scene from American Psycho because he it was th- that's a, a really interesting movie. But there's this great murder scene. He's he's kind of a Wall Street um, wannabe. You know, and um, and he murders uh, one of his co-workers with an axe. But the scene, he's talking about a Huey Lewis uh, album. <laughs> and it's I was the, wondering where this is going to tie back. <laughs> no, it's, it's the most, it, 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 it's like this black comedy from from the blackest of comedy uh, scene. It, it is hilarious. And about five or ten years ago, Huey Lewis actually recreated the scene as Christian Bale's character, and it's brilliant. And he kind of Christian Bale kinda, should sue him. He kind of does like a yeah, he should. He does kind of a meta switch on it and stuff. That's that's really funny. But uh, but I, I oh my god, I would love that. I would love that if Christian Bale sued him and they gave all the money to Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> all right, we've tapped into to to some Noah. Uh, angst here. <laughs> I've been drinking green liquids. I'm all slimered out. I've got some lavender liquids I've been drinking. But, you know. <laughs> so that's a, that's an interesting thing. So I, I felt it a little bit more, I think probably because um, I've had alcohol rather than, um, or hard alcohol rather than beer for this episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> I definitely have uh, let it feel, I feel a little more, a uh, little more lubricated, lubricated, <laughs> lubricated. So, um, but yeah, no, so back to Ghostbusters though. Great movie. Um, (laughs) the cool part of this one is, uh, so my oldest daughter, Sierra, watch this with us or watch this with me because she hadn't seen it. She hadn't seen it. Oh, that must have been fun to watch it with her. I was, she kind of was like, well, see, I do do that with my, I actually more than, I I try to get my son and daughter both to watch movies with me because I love movies uh my son is a little bit more resistant but my daughter i can usually coax in because she knows i i i just get get really excited she does it for you she she does yeah it for you. probably probably but ghostbusters would be a fun one to watch with her i wonder well, if she's okay so that. that's that's what i was gonna say though is like <laughs> i we saw this when it was fresh and it, it made a big impact yeah. and and they don't catch it as hard as we do like i remember watching goonies with them and I almost cried because they just, they weren't after, afterwards they were like, eh, eh, like not even into it. And I'm like, how could you not be into the Goonies? Like, I expect you guys all want to be like <laughs> Goonies now. And, and, and it was just one of those things. It's like, I wonder how much of it has to be, you have to watch it at a time well, frame in your Well, think about also, they probably, I mean, Sierra probably knew Bill Murray and knew his style of humor. But at the time that Ghostbusters came out, it was really fresh. He's he's he, that's that's. I don't even know if she on. really knows him that much because it, it was the same sort of character he brought to Groundhog Day and a lot of his. Uh, yeah, but those movies. were those were still back in the nineties. I I'm just saying that that what is he? That, I mean, the, what was the latest thing he's done was uh, the the zombie flick, 
right? The um, which was right. hilarious. His his his, his role land. in that. Yeah, Zombie Land. <laughs> yeah, that's not the latest that he's done. A... I think he played a president uh, a couple years ago. Uh, really? Roosevelt. He played. Uh, FDR? Was it a comedy though? No, was it FDR? Yeah, FDR. I think. Um, no, it was a little bit more of a of a of a serious role. Man, so this is strange. Like I just pulled up Bill Murray on on IMDb, and he's most known for Lost in Translation, Scrooged. Rushmore. What was that? Scrooged. No, no, Lost really? in Rushmore. Lo uh, Lost in Translation, Rushmore, Moonshine Kingdom, which I've never uh -huh. even heard of. Oh. The life aquat the life aquatic oh. um yeah so so that's so both, that's the four both, movies they have both uh, look, have at, look up the director for uh kingdom uh was it did you say moonshine kingdom no you didn't say yeah that. it says yeah it says moonshine kingdom moonshine moonshine kingdom moonshine never kingdom. even heard of it uh that's the that's the Cubs Wes Anderson. Yeah, Wes Anderson. So Wes Anderson, uh, he's a he's a regular in Wes Anderson movies. Um, uh, I think he was the same Life, that did the Life Aquatic and Rushmore. Yeah. yeah. Which he, okay, so that makes sense. He's done some great movies, but he's he's very stylized with his. I fucking hate those movies. I, I don't. I shouldn't say I hate those. I do not enjoy those movies. I did not enjoy Life Aquatic. Did not enjoy Rushmore. I, they just they don't. Um, I don't enjoy that kind of comedy. I guess. Um, they just, it's, ugh. it wasn't, it wasn't moonshine. It was moonrise. I think you're, you're right. It's right. moonrise. I, Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I was drinking. Shut up. Um, it's small print. I love moonrise kingdom. And, uh, there's another one, uh, the one, I think it got a lot of notoriety at the time might've with, um, that was, a uh, a hotel, uh, concierge that, um, Oh, I know. What, I kind of know what you're talking about. Um, the hotel, we talk, no, the, 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 it's like a, uh, isn't it in like, Dubai it's the name of the hotel. What? What's that? But isn't it like in Dubai or some crazy place like that? It's like a super yeah. rich hotel. Well, no, it's got a, it's got the, the, uh, the young concierge is, is Indian. Um, but I, the French dispatch, I, oh, it no, might be an interesting podcast to talk about one of those movies. Um, because uh, I oh. really enjoy them. And so it might be good to, to see us kind of barking at each other about it. <laughs> no, okay yeah because i i do not and i i did not enjoy any of those and they and, and maybe it's just the the humor is not something i'm into that type of humor that the the life aquatic and stuff to me was one of the most boring unhumorous movies i've ever seen in my life um, i didn't see life aquatic so. it's very much like rushmore and all of those that that just where he's playing that kind of dry british -y, yeah. weird humor that's not really funny um so yeah, maybe, and I've never even heard of Moonrise, whatever it was. Kingdom, uh, that's Kingdom. a scout style. I think everyone's a bunch of scouts. Oh, you know, I kind of, I kind of remember like seeing that. the the trailer <laughs> now, and it reminded me a lot of Rushmore and all that, and that's why I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. Wes Anderson has a very particular style of filmmaking that is so where it's it, he has a lot of trucking shots that are that follow the scenes. Um, and composition and maybe that's is what, really important, but it, but he doesn't move the camera in and out. He always moves it side to side. See, maybe that's why you can enjoy it more as you watch the film and watch what they're doing. Where I actually need some content. Well, at you know, to an extent, that's that's always interesting. But but if you're doing the same stylized movie making every movie, that can get tired. And so true. I, uh, so I can't. I sometimes 
if if it's not if it's not good content or not a good movie, then then no, that doesn't work. But yeah. but I'm still always really interested in in his movies. So well, I know I know Bill Murray went that way towards the end of his the end of his career, which is still going on. I should say the later end of his career, he went towards that style of comedy, and it's just not my style. So I mean, I love his earlier stuff, and maybe that's just you know he got tired of being that slapstick guy, but he was so good at it. I mean, Caddyshack for one. It's just phenomenal. I loved Groundhog Day. Although, what is, there's a new... Groundhog Day, which was also directed by Harold Ramis, who who played yeah. Egon. So, yeah, and yeah. Stripes and, and all right. that. Yeah, I mean, those were, those were great movies. Um, and Scrooge. Scrooge is another good one. Um, there's a, I thought, Groundhog Day made me think of something. And I was trying to... Is there another movie that's out that's... Oh, it's uh, it's... It's with the new guy from Saturday Night Live. The new Palm guy? Springs. Oh, one of the new guys that's on. Um, he's also on like that uh, uh, New York 911 or whatever. Oh. oh. It, uh, it's, it's Palm Springs, I think, is the name of it. I think it's on Amazon or Netflix, one of the two. And it's a, it's a Groundhog Day style um, movie. And... Uh, have you seen Russian know? Dolls yet? No, no, I'm. I'm because that's a Groundhog Day style too. You'll, you'll. Yeah. So, I'm waiting to finish. Um, a it's called Cora. It's the Avatar, the sequel to the Avatar, uh, Last Airbender cartoon. Okay. There, there's another sequel to that that we're watching right now, and as soon as we're done with that, we're going to watch Russian. Dolls. Did you read? I I saw an article. I guess the the creator of Avatar was working with. Netflix or one of the or Hulu or one of the one of the streaming services to make another live action avatar. They're and doing it. No, I know, but I guess one or two weeks ago he announced that he dropped out. He is no longer oh. he's no longer backing it. He's you know, he tried to give some some kudos to the way that they're going, but but it, it sounds like he's no longer as supportive of, of the direction they're going. Just just oh, throwing that out maybe. there. Since we had the what, Avatar uh, the last uh, Airbender podcast, something nine one one. So Noah, oh, so yeah, the show is Brooklyn Nine Nine. That has the guy from. Um, I threw it Saturday on the ground. Night. Yeah, he's the one that does. He's the Lonely Island. Uh, yeah, and so he, it's his new movie <laughs> is a Groundhog Day style movie, and I, I don't necessarily care for him as much in shows. Like I don't like the the Brooklyn Nine Nine show. That's that that's one of Casey's favorite series. I've watched. It's, some it's of it actually, really, yeah. I, uh, some of it I laugh at, and some of them I'm like, oh. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it has both. Like uh, it makes me want to puke and it makes me want to laugh. And and so, but it's not enough to make me want to watch it more and more. But that's one of my daughter's favorite. And so right away i was like i just am not interested in a movie he's in and then i watched the trailer and i was like all right that kind of looks funny maybe I can get that. <laughs> well did so, you what was the what was the uh horror movie too the happy uh happy death day or something like that um that was a uh, that, that was in fact they even they i loved this because the whole movie you're watching it's like this is like groundhog day this is like groundhog day <laughs> at the end of the movie they finally acknowledge uh did you ever see groundhog day or something like that it is like scripted into it <laughs> so that was funny that's a funny funny horror movie i think it's called happy death day is that yeah, that sounds that's that sounds no, I'm not looking at that. Okay, that sounds very familiar. <laughs> it's Ad, Andy Samberg is the guy, right? Right. Who, um, 
who did that. No, the, uh, the up main box reason, guy. That's where his right. uh, well, first And see, that, first that stuff to me is funny, but God, a lot of the, the, the Brooklyn Nine-Nine stuff just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. Although it has Terry Crews on it. And I love Terry Crews. Terry Crews is the best guy. Ever. I mean, he is one of my favorites of all time. I, I mean, I love just his commercials, everything about him. The guy, but is that's hilarious. he brings the same character to Brooklyn Nine Nine. I know, and that's and I think that's why like that's the one part I enjoy of it. The rest of it, I could like, oh, this is sucks. And then like Terry Crews, oh hey hey hey, and there then was, they go away. There's from Terry one Crews. of the female actors, the. Um, uh, it, I think it's hilarious, and I think she left the series, but but she was in there first few seasons. That Stephanie Bertiz. I'm um, not going to know the names. Okay. I, I yeah, I, I don't I don't know, but like I think that maybe what it is 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 if I'm watching it and and Terry Crews is in the scene, I can enjoy it, and if Terry Crews is in the scene, I I'm like this is trash. This okay. is garbage fire. Why are we watching this? So. <laughs> So hey, back but, to I Ghostbusters. Mean... <laughs> <laughs> In a roundabout way. We haven't even yeah. talked about uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, which I, I think <laughs> probably that's, that's, that's the, 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 the most incredible climax of, you know, when you think about a movie climax, that's, that's, <laughs> it's hard not to deny that that one captures some of the, you know, one of the best moments of any movie climax Right. So I, yeah, no. And, and the, the reason that in the fact that you use the word climax, so I'm not time, talking about brings, spewing marshmallows. It's just, it just beauty, it brings the visual of the end <laughs> where Peck is standing there on the street and he just gets doused in gallons and gallons of melted marshmallow. <laughs> but no, you're right. Uh, no, that's a great scene. It starts off with, you know, choose, right? You know, Gozar the Gozarian, yeah. you know, what? and he goes, you will choose. And they're like, choose what? You know, like, you will choose the the, the choice of your death. And, and Bill Murray is, figures out. Yeah, this is a scene where, where the timing, the comedic timing uh, is so brilliant, the way they play it all out, the way, the way you know, they're, they're zooming in on Dan Aykroyd, who just has that look on his face. Like, he does. You know, Dan Aykroyd played that one perfect. Like, Bill Murray's like, all right, we know what this is. Don't think of anything. <laughs> and then he's like halfway through his spiel, and he goes, the choice is made. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and, that, and that part of the scene, before you even know what's going on, is so brilliant because the whole audience goes, oh, my God. <laughs> well, Dan Aykroyd right away has got that look like, uh, I pooped my pants. It kind of look like, oh, no, I done fucked up. And then he's asking everybody, do you think anyone? Do you think? And then they're like, <laughs> what you do? Well, <laughs> I thought of the thing that, as a child, could never hurt us. <laughs> and the and the cutaway, you know, and this is kind of brilliant too because this wasn't a this wasn't a mark. You know, no one had heard at the time the movie came out. The Stay Puft Puff, Puff Marshmallow that wasn't an actual brand. So oh, yeah, I don't think it was the way they Although were able they to review do show, it. Huh? Go ahead. They do show a bag of marshmallows when the eggs are blowing up yeah they do it, yeah it's a absolutely. bag of stay puff marshmallows I was yes like, and you don't, I don't think i'd ever yeah, yeah i don't think not... i'd ever seen that until this time oh really <laughs> yeah um but but the fact that 
you know, what you think of like the Michelin man or something like that right. uh, would have been more recognizable, but they're still oh, no, able no. to capture such a brilliant moment. I still remember, you know, you were talking about remembering when you were, when you saw it the first time or things that it made, mm-hmm. reminded you of. That is a scene that right there oh. is a moment that is like, I remember that seeing that in the theater and just being so in awe so, of how that captured right. me. And the, the, and how so, perfectly comedic it was. I didn't laugh at all. I was just in awe of how <laughs> perfect it it, it played so, out. <laughs> so you know what makes me laugh the most of this is it's the very first part of it when they show the Marshmallow Man. It's and it's just this like small <laughs> capture of his hat and his side of his face and his eyes and he's walking, but yet you can see kind of like he tricks his eyes over and he's like look at him like yeah i'm coming for you and i was like oh shit like and then it just and then you know they get through this and bill murray's like oh we got this he's a sailor he's in new york we get him late and i was like oh shit um and then i love when they they light him up right with the with the proton packs and light him on fire so then and then they show him like crisping up like you do when you're mar- roasting a marshmallow it's like Someone had the thought for, to actually show the marshmallow like, like it does in the fire when you're at a you know roasting a marshmallow. And I was like, that's awesome. Speaking of the that uh, that last scene when they're firing them up, uh, the crossing the streams. I guess that wasn't written <laughs> into the that wasn't written into the script. That was something that was that that was come up that they came up with during the uh, well during the, I, the shooting. I don't know if it was during the shooting, but because they really had to. It, it re- was totally referenced in the in the scene uh, at the hotel oh, earlier in the Don't ballroom. The um, yeah. But uh, but it was not part of the script. It was something that was that that they came up with, and I thought it really worked well. Um, so they're dealing with this crazy technology that just it, it as and they never touch on it really. Well, I love they never how really Don is just holding up that you know when when they're yeah. dropping off Rick Moranis in the in the in the in the big truck that you know we found this guy and he just holds up the thing and, and, and he goes yeah. <laughs> it's like and we buy well, into it oh obviously yeah. he has <laughs> well do you remember the little the little <laughs> CRT behind him when they're talking to him and it shows the dog face instead of yeah and and so that's that's where cinematography is so brilliant too because it never pans into the screen it just pans from from rick moranis's character up to egon and you see it in the background it is so brilliant how it's just if you you catch it it's it's perfect (laughs) interesting thing too is i didn't catch it the first time but watching the second time when they're first talking to sigourney weaver's character they have her on the same crt and it's her it's, yes, it's yes. The, and so I was like, and that's say she's cool. telling that's, the truth. Yes. Yeah. That's some, that's some good continuity. So, uh, you know, the funny thing is, and this is, this is, this just goes to show you what a big hit, uh, Ghostbusters was, is anytime a bunch of guys get at a urinal, surely one of them is going to like, don't cross the streams. <laughs> right. You know, it's just one of those things is, yep. You know, especially, you know, anybody over about 35, you know, you get on that urinal like, hey, don't cross the streams. Dogs and cats sleeping together. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, such such good, good lines, good movie, um, great acting. Uh, It for what it was and when it was, it it was definitely the blockbuster that that everybody says it was. Um, Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they won a lot of awards for this movie. No, in fact, well, they won a couple. I think they won special effects, which I think, you, you know, sometimes you hear about awards at the Academy Awards. I think it was just to honor the movie as being a success because I don't think the special effects were that great. You know, there was yeah, it was they were nominated for uh, effect, best effects and visual effects and uh, best music original score. Oh, oh, they didn't want it. Okay. They no, they didn't. Budget. They didn't actually win Oscars. I think they won some, maybe um, some glo- Golden Globes, Globes. <laughs> Golden Globes, um, some and some other smaller ones. But yeah, it's just <laughs> comedies don't really seem to to capture, you know, the awards like like other films do, which is is kind of sad. I don't that, know. Didn't you know, Annie Hall beat out Star Wars? Annie saw, Hall supposedly that was supposedly a comedy. It's a great movie, but Star Wars. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, but well, okay. When when Star Wars, the year it came out, as good as it was, was it an icon then, or did it become an icon years later? Do you know what I mean? I do know what Remember you mean, we're... but I would argue that that one was like one of the first after Jaws, one of the first blockbusters that just blew away everything. So it became an instant blockbuster icon. So well, and, but that, and that's I don't think it just. I think okay. I think the but second you, movie, Empire what, Strikes <laughs> Back, uh, kind of ingrained it into into lore as yeah. like this is going to go on for a long time. But what you were talking about earlier is like you know we were saying that things have get better as they age and things like that and and stuff like that. So um, and the fact that just because uh, box office scores don't necessarily tell you the movies because if that was the case then. Things like uh, Avengers Endgame should have won every award ever because <laughs> they blew away. Every, you know what I mean? So yeah, I'll, the awards that are given out don't necessarily uh, correlate to what people care about and and th- what the real people like the non uh, award nominee groups that decide these things care about. And and that's what we see a lot, and that and that's maybe why. And that's just it's too bad that that's the case. Oh, another cat outside. <laughs> our cats. So one of our cats broke through our screen door, and then um, so now it's made that we've had to uh, try and figure out a way to keep the kittens inside because they're we, we try not to let them outside without supervision. But, one thing I like about what we're doing with this podcast is is we're looking back on a movie, and and. You know, we already went into this knowing that it was a really good, it was a movie that really we, we enjoyed, but I loved the opportunity of looking back on it from kind of a different perspective, you know, oh, yeah, cause, for I'm, sure. cause I'm older, but, but I, I, I tried to, I tried to say, okay, there's a lot of stuff that everyone is excited about this movie. That's, that's, that is kind of ingrained in everyone's brain that that's seen it but uh it's yeah, nice 100%. to try to look at it through a different different lens and uh i, I, I like would that. love to see i would love to do this like you know maybe so if if we actually stay with a weekly basis and and you know we did this once a month so every four episodes we hit an older movie i'd love to do that i would love to go back and do like fight club love to go back and do breakfast club speaking of breakfast oh my god breakfast club (laughs) right or or you know you talked about it earlier uh real genius 
you know, yeah. weird science, any of those, you know, all these, these, I mean, real genius I just, is good too, because I don't think a lot of people know that movie. It didn't, it didn't right. have quite the longevity as some of these other. So ones. here's one I just watched the other day was, um, fast times at Ridgemont high. Oh, now I would love yeah. to go yeah. back and do a show on that because that was one of my favorite shows of all time <laughs> growing up and still to this day. And I watched it and I was like, Holy crap, this fucking holds up hundred percent. Not only does it hold up, it's like, I want to go back to high school. Yeah. As fucking sad as that and weird as that sound is, I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that. Logan's out there. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it just it was one of those shows is like, oh, my God. And and I learned more stuff and I picked up more things watching it again. So, um, you know, things like that. I would love to go back and do some of these other shows. So maybe that's something we, we kind of make regular. And I know um, Bo talked about that. He was like one of his things. He gave me, he gave me, he's been talking about doing a, a show with us. And he's like, he's like, all right, here's my two, two ideas. He wanted to keep, keep up with us before he made a sick. One was MCU. One was going back and talking about five of his, his favorite shows of all times. And, yeah. You know, and so maybe, maybe even we'll grab him or grab some other people, you know, I'll throw it out on Facebook oh, yeah. and say, Hey, this is, we're going to talk about this old movie. Who wants in? You know, let's see. Well, let's or see. throw it out like, hey, propose a movie that you think is worth talking about. Maybe we haven't even seen it. We can go back and look at it from. True. You know, that's kind of like, exciting. okay. So here's, here's a, and this is weird. This is a movie that um, I really got into when it was out. And I don't know how good it really is, but it, it, it resonated with me for a while. Um, it, oh God, now what was the name? It was, um, I, oh, damn. It was Nick. <laughs> Adam Nick <laughs> no, Nick Nolte. Um, 48 hours. Uh, no, no. Uh, uh, what is it? Um, there's something I'm the king or. Oh, oh king. farewell to the king. Farewell to the king. Yeah. Who's the director? That's a, that's a director I studied, I believe. And, uh, um uh it was in the 90 it was well 80s can you are, are you bringing it I'm, I'm looking i'm looking at it okay i gotta scroll i gotta scroll he's been in a lot of stuff is that the director uh, that that threw himself off a bridge you, now you're i don't know did he do crimson tide oh, what's the director <laughs> no well, actually no I think, no it's the same one who did uh uh warriors i think oh that, now that's another good one right um Oh, where is it? Oh, I thought it was... Oh, it had to be in the 90s. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to bring it up here. Uh, oh, well, I was trying to look through Nick Nolte, so... It's a 1989 film directed by... Oh, really? Fair... Oh, no, this is absolutely not who I was thinking of. I don't know who this director is. <laughs> Sorry. All right. No, that's okay. Um, I don't. I've never seen this movie, so I'm. Uh, it was just one of those ones that I came across, and it was just. It was just a, a really. That's weird. Those. That Walter Hill was the the director I was thinking of. Yeah. He actually directed 48, 48 hours, and he's directed a lot of other Nick Nolte. Um, so this was one of those ones, though, that I I probably I rented and watched several times within a, a couple months, like it was one of those ones that I would watch almost back to back nights. And I don't know why I got so into it. Um, part of it was the fact that, uh, I think I was in a drama class my senior year and I used, I used a scene out of this as, you know, we had to do like our monologues and stuff like that. And I used to sing out of scene out of this. And that's one that like, I would throw that out there to like, okay, who else has watched this? It was, was I 
high or something? Did I, was I was was this complete garbage and I just didn't know it? So, um, but yeah, that's one of those. But and it's funny, like you know, most other times I can always remember that name of this movie, but I couldn't pull it out of my ass tonight. But well, yeah, you know, farewell to the key. But you mentioned you mentioned something about you know a movie how it holds up, but you know sometimes right. there's a movie that doesn't hold up, but it's still good for its time, and. And it's hard to look at a movie from, from you know, a thirty-year-old movie that doesn't quite hold up, but it was good for its time. What what sort of a perspective does that lead to? Uh, that'd be interesting. Um, maybe if we had a couple yeah, of no. movies that you know, yeah, no, I'd love to do that. Completely focusing on one that was crap. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I'm getting a list together, and and what I'll uh, what I'll do is. Um, put that out there to you and, and stuff like that. Maybe you can put one together and we'll, we'll just send that out to people and say, Hey, these are movies we're thinking of. What do you guys think? Uh, suggest some others, um, and see what we can come up with. And like I said, I would love to get some, some guest guest host on these. And we gave you guys all the emails. So that's how you, how you let us know, or just hit <laughs> us up on Facebook. Um, if you've gotten this far into the podcast and want to be part of it, and <laughs> bless you. Thank you. Um, and we can do this all remotely, um, so there's no there's no COVID da- uh, dangers. Um, you know, we we can do uh, on site. We've we've proven that with our our fog belts, which are fun. Um, and and hopefully, when this COVID ends, we'll get back to going to theaters. Um, but we can do all this remotely, and it'd be fun to talk to other people and get their take on and how they see things, uh, not just ours. Which you know, we know how we see things, and we'll just let <laughs> you guys know. <laughs> Well, sometimes we discover it as we go too. So, true, right? Well, and and you know, we talked about this before too. It's like doing this podcast. It's I feel sometimes like I'm less negative on stuff than I normally <laughs> might be. And I was trying to think about. I'm like, why is that? Why am I trying to? Am I trying to be nice? Am I trying to please the people? What is it? And I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, sometimes I'm a little more negative in just the 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 quick takes on things where when we do these, I, I give them a little bit more of a shot. I don't know why. Just you know what I, what I found? So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in it. I do not, I'm not a public speaker. I, I get really nervous about speaking in front of, you know, and, and People. I bring this up because, because being a, a black belt on the board at uh, Tess a lot after, after tests, we have, you know, they go around and say, Hey, yeah. offer some feedback. And we have to talk in front of a whole bunch of people. And, and every time I'm, I'm have to do that, I have to prepare ahead of time and try to come up with something to say. Well, this last test a couple of weeks ago, well, first off, I had no, I thought I was going to be in the test, and right. uh, and instead I had I was on the board and and I thought about it. It's like oh, I got to come up with something to say, and I just didn't even think about it. And so I, I still kind of stumbled through what I was saying, but I think this podcast has helped me. As 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 much as I stumble through articulate. words, as I, I wasn't as worried about as as worried about uh, I don't know maybe it's just because I'd done enough I'd done enough podcasts I I I had enough hours under my belt <laughs> got, that I figured I could hours. come up with something without uh, stumbling too bad so it didn't it didn't panic me as much as it had yeah no you guys did great <laughs> matter of fact I, I remember that because uh, we were told to keep it short and light yeah. and I went first and I did that you did and then all of a sudden I got these 
40 minute speeches behind me. I'm like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> like I, I barely talked about anything and anybody and you guys are going down. And I remember you when you were four and yeah, no, I didn't talk about, I talked about Philio. That was it. So. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's kind of all I did. And that was, it was her day in a way because yeah. it was her black belt. I agree. So, uh, I agree. And, uh, but yeah, no, I, I wish, you know, after everybody else is talking, I'm like, Oh, I wanted to say something about them. Cause it was, but, <laughs> but my it, point it, it was that funny. this has helped me with a little bit of my public speaking. <laughs> Cause that's not something I typically do. You know, I do technical. Yeah, work. no, I, <laughs> I, uh, I'm the same way. I, uh, I mean, I, even at work when I'm talking in just a small group of, of people who are, are just my peers, I sometimes get all really choked up and stuff like that. So yeah, the public speaking thing is not, not something I'm really good with. And I think this one, um, for me comes out more naturally and more f easily because I'm not seeing a big group of people out there. It's usually just me or you or me or you in a small group of, of close friends. And it's a little bit easier to kind of let, let my, you know, freak flag fly. It, kind of <laughs> it helps. I get in my head sometimes and suddenly when I'm in the middle of some saying something, I'll, I'll get disoriented because uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I lose my train because I, I realize I'm speaking and I'm supposed to be saying right. something <laughs> and I don't know where I'm going with it. And then it all kind of capitalizes on itself and, you yeah. know, a big avalanche happens, you know. <laughs> My biggest thing is I know I mispronounce things horribly, and uh, but that's okay. I own that. And, uh, <laughs> you do. Every every time you post on Facebook <laughs> and on sure. our podcast, I love it. Yeah, I love it. But I mean, and that, it's, not, it's, that's, it's it's a staple of 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 it's of me our, of our how we sees it host. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am, it's not going to change um, now or probably forever. But yeah, it's all good. Um, but no, it's, it's fun. And I think, yeah, this is, and like I said, one of the things I thought about again today, and I think I've said this once before is, um, I really enjoy podcasts that are from, um, the low, the, not the low man, but just the common person that are just doing these podcasts out there. Cause they're, they're what they want to do. They're talking about something that means something to them and not people like Joe Rogan and these people that are getting sponsors and, and have these 20, 30 minute ads in every podcast because they're being paid to talk. Um, and I think it's more fun to listen to one that's from someone that's just, they're talking because they want to talk to people and they've got something to say and they want people to hear it. Those are the ones that are, are, are meaningful to me. And so um, doing this is really cool because that's, that's what it is. Yeah. And so- hey. I like it when we when we have enough time to where we can kind of come up with an approach to what we're talking about too. Uh, no, no, I, I mean sometimes we'll get more professional. Much, I get a little I get a little nervous that I'm not going to bring anything. Uh, but oh, but you like with this one, it. well, I I was excited because like with Ghostbusters, I, I I was completely looking at it from a different point of view, and I thought, oh, that 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 could be something that 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 would make people look at the movie and and and, and right. see it from a different perspective and 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 i think that's exciting and and i hope you do look for that look for that uh that lavender uh hue yeah go film. back and watch it's, it and it's not overwhelming it's it's very subtle but it's there oh man i, I, wish, it, I wish we could say that it was streaming <laughs> on something right now but but it's not. I had, no, to, I had to pay three ninety nine on Amazon. Right, <laughs> I did too. So apparently, you can get it in non HD for two ninety nine if you want to save the dollar. But you have to look for it specifically, which no, I, I thought was ridiculous. I prefer HD. I'll pay the dollar for HD. You're not getting HD quality because it wasn't filmed in HD. That's not true. We're no, dealing yeah, with thirty. It is. No, that was thirty five millimeter film. That's 
You're, uh, uh, I'd be willing to okay. bet that if you watched it no. in, and watched it in HD and non-HD, you're not going to get film, much different. Film is not... Okay, that's a technical... We're going to do a podcast on that. Or at least... Okay. Okay, we'll... We'll, we'll do a section on a, it. A section on it. But uh, but no, film is very, very different than high definition. High definition is when you're dealing with pixels. Film is very... Uh, it, it has more to do with... There's, there's a but isn't difference. it okay? So I know it's filmed on that, but the broadcast and everything that is recorded on isn't necessarily the same, correct? No, right. That's where HD. Well, you, okay. So we're talking, we're talking like DVD quality versus CD quality. Well, DVD or, or, is or DVD seven, versus Blu-ray. Yeah, but DVD is 720 as far as right uh, versus Blu-ray. Blu-ray right is is 1080 or, or 1080. So that's the difference in the HD and the and the DVD. So be... you're paying that extra dollar to get that 11, yeah, but, but, but it's 35 not there. millimeter. Look up what 35 millimeter is, and you're not going to get the same. Well, HD is 720. But that's is what I mean HD. is, but when they you're going when they record 80 or something like that for for standard definition, I would be, I'd be and, willing and to 35 bet. millimeter is definitely not 40 okay. 480. It's it's yeah. I don't know if this. I don't think this would have made a difference if you watched it one or the other person. Well, this one had kind of a grainy quality, so you might be right there. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I'm just going on it. Whatever. I paid the three ninety nine too. It's it's yeah. all good. All right. Well, we're getting towards <laughs> the time where we got to We got to cut you guys loose. Yes. Um, we talked we're a lot about forty five uh, minutes. Yeah. We're <laughs> damn, that, this should have been a shorty, right? But it was great. So um, no, no, this is good. Uh, like I said, you know, uh, we said the emails, um, hit us up. Uh, I'm going to throw some Facebook stuff out there. Um, act like I know what I'm doing and make this legit and see if we can't get some ideas and some people out there with some, some older movies to talk about. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. That was episode 35, uh, How We Sees Ghostbusters. Well, that's right. Thank you.